Welcome to Episode 7 of Season 8 of the Simplify and Multiply Show. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Sylvie Longstreet, and it's going to be a good call because you and I are going to learn from the VA perspective, so like from the virtual side, what's the experience, and Sylvie has some great tips that she's going to share with us. So let's go ahead and get going with Sylvie. If you are a solopreneur and want growing your business to be easier, welcome to the Simplify and Multiply Show. Hosted by award-winning creative, business development expert, and tactical coach, Terry Pappy. The Simplify and Multiply Show promises to become your practical, tactical, and motivational guide to succeeding as a solopreneur. Hey there, Solo. I'm Terry Pappy, and I created Simplify and Multiply to provide you a place where you can discover how to make your business more profitable. I'm going to do this by helping you remove the complexity from marketing and business development. So if that sounds good to you, listen in. Miss Sylvie, thank you so much for being here on the Simplify and Multiply show. How are things going up there in northern Ontario in the country? <laughs> things are cold and we're actually currently oh, on lockdown for another few days which might get extended but we are just navigating through it as we should be and we'll get to the point where we can actually be normal again but that's going to be a few months out but mm. we're really excited to get back to the yeah, nobody knows to normal <laughs> I mean, nobody knows no, no. some Somebody could be listening to this episode two years from now and we could still be dealing with it for all we know. Oh, my God. True. Wouldn't that be the worst? People will be like, I want to get on the next uh, Elon Musk's shuttle, uh, SpaceX shuttle to the moon for crying out loud. This sucks. (laughs) Anyway. So, well, thank you for being here. And I want to, given that this is the season on delegating admin and getting virtual help, I was so excited about having you on because of the multifaceted experience that you've had as well as your business. Now you're you're currently doing one-on-one client support. You also come at it from the management side. You uh, you work on other people's teams. So why don't you talk a little bit about the work you are doing, just so my listener has some context. Sure. So currently I'm doing some management for some clients and as well as tech. So both of those are my zone of genius. That's where I work best. And also from, aside from the management and the one-on-one work, I'm also running a small agency. I'm keeping it very boutique for 2021, making sure that I have the best of the best ready to serve all of our clients and they're getting the service that they need and deserve to get their business where they want to be this year. That's awesome. Now let's talk about the agency side for a second. Mm -hmm. So you're basically providing a, I don't want to say a clearinghouse, but access for assistants who want to work as a VA and they have a specific expertise that could be just about anything from just administrative bookkeeping on down through marketing like you, tech, right? Mm -hmm. And these people can come to you and say, okay, I have X hours a week. I'm looking for this kind of work. Um, And you're like, great, I've got these clients. And, And then of course you Basically, you're a dating service for virtual assistants. 
<laughs> yeah. And, and you know what? I've made it super easy because I have two types of assistants. I have those who do the executive administrative work. I also have those that do the technical work because I find they're two very, very different people. Um, tech is something that it takes experience. It takes knowledge. It takes knowing what's the next step because otherwise they're going to be asking so many questions and same with the admin side, very different mind, but I always bring mm. in people who already mm. have experience. And I also prefer those who have taken some kind of program. Now, as one of your prerequisites, and I'm just curious, that's why I'm asking mm -hmm. these kind of random all over the place questions, <laughs> is one of your prerequisites or maybe preferences might be a better word of these experienced people to come in to be your talent. Do you require that they have had independent virtual work experience in the past like so they get it because it's a different way to work than getting in your car driving to an office and going in and sitting at a cubicle all day that's right yes i do encourage that they have already some virtual experience i don't take anyone who doesn't have any it is a different curve from being in the corporate world or being in a brick and mortar business and actually mm -hmm. bringing it online Definitely. it's different systems it's different programs and software so i want to make sure that they understand those before they start serving clients yeah that's great yeah so that just popped into my head it's like that would make sense you know because if you have somebody who's just like let's say they mm -hmm. got riffed out of a company and they're like oh i'll just do virtual work and they've never worked virtually before <laughs> although i think with the way that the pandemic has changed the workplace uh, i think pretty much everybody got a taste of remote work <laughs> you know except for those essential peeps that we love <laughs> everyone's been there yeah yeah which is yeah. kind of good and even everyone who's running an online business mm-hmm yeah. Everyone who's running an online business right now, they had to start from somewhere. Exactly. So we've all been that person who has no online experience. Even myself, three years ago, I was working as a dental hygienist. Yeah. Wow. Big changes for you, huh? Now look at you. You're going crazy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're super successful. That's awesome. And many, much more success you're going to have ahead of you because this is, this is a burgeoning industry. I mean, there is a huge need out there. I was just talking with Jeffrey Shaw yesterday and uh, we were we were commenting how the the just the solopreneur self-employed industry is just exploding and uh, doing a lot mm -hmm. apart uh, because of the pandemic. People are like, hey, I, I think I can do this. Right. You know, they either lost their jobs, they got riffed or they started right. working from home and said, this is how I'd rather be. And then they end up leaving their corporate gig because they just prefer the freedom and flexibility of home. And then they get into the reality of it and realize that it's not all <laughs> roses <laughs> when they get out there and have to find <laughs> their own clients and pay the bills and pay taxes and all that stuff. And there's no more steady paycheck. <laughs> it gets a little crazy. And right. uh, one of the things that I really admire about the self-employed is their gumption and their ability to stick to it and keep going. And part of being able to keep going is to get help. And so, you know, in my 15 years of being in business, I've come up many times against the conversation around, do I build a team? Do I grow like a traditional advertising agency, hire a bunch of creatives and executors and just go out and just, you know, be the rainmaker? And I really resisted that because it kind of went against the whole reason why I went into business for myself. And so when you have somebody uh, who's a solopreneur, 
um, or an entrepreneur, and they they their vision really isn't to grow by staff per se, but they do need help. Like they start getting busy, and then they need help executing. And now I'm talking, this is like beyond hiring a web designer to do a one-off project or hiring, you know, these one-off things. This is more about ongoing support, whether it's marketing support, uh, business development support, client care support, um, or, or something like that. So when you look at that solopreneur as a manager slash leader, what are some of the things that you think that will benefit them from the standpoint of knowing when it's right, how they should get started, and just like how to tackle that because it's an added layer of complexity in their business. Mm -hmm. So number one is knowing what is distracting you from getting to your goal. So if you're not doing those money-making activities every single day because your goal is revenue for your business in 2021 or in any year, then you need to take anything off of your plate that is distracting you from that. So I always suggest write down all of those tasks mm -hmm. that you're currently doing that you no longer want to do. So there's a difference between can do and want to do because you can leave everything on your plate, but you really only want to focus on the things that you love and enjoy doing. I, agree. Um, I have some clients who enjoy writing their emails. So instead of hiring a copywriter, keep writing your emails, but just have someone else upload them and schedule them because that's something you don't enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. So writing them down, separating them out between what you enjoy doing and what you don't enjoy and finding that person to fill in that gap so you can move on to focus on your goal. That's awesome. That's number one. Yeah, I totally agree with that. In fact, I think it was the second episode of the season. I focused primarily on, you know, here's how you decide what what needs to go. <laughs> and I, I love using the Eisenhower matrix, yeah. you know, as far as urgency and importance and and then adding the joy thing in there. So I kind of call it the joy matrix because <laughs> it's like, yeah, you may know how to like me. I know how to do everything in my business and I pretty much have done it at some point or another, all of yes. it. And I enjoy a lot of it. Right. But what you just said rang my bell, because mm -hmm. if you're doing something or whether you're stuck doing it or you're choosing to do it because you're avoiding, which usually I fall into that category. I'm putting this mm -hmm. off because I'd rather do this, you know. <laughs> Uh, doing like revenue, rainmaking work and bringing in work for your business, which you really should be responsible for anyway, um, then that's a problem, right? Mm -hmm. So getting that squared away, it's like one feeds the other. You know, it's like, well, you need revenue in order to be able to get somebody to help you get the revenue. So you better get the revenue so you can get the help and then get the help so you can get the revenue. <laughs> I'm sorry, listener. It's the chicken <laughs> or the egg. Yes, yes, I know. I know, it's too funny. Well, that's really cool. So what else could uh, be decided? So once they've figured out, all right, what am I doing that I can offload? What What's the next thing from the standpoint of like, okay, here's what I need help with. Then what do they do? Yeah, if they're ready to bring someone on, they need to decide, okay, what can my business afford to pay someone? Can I bring someone in part-time? Do I need to bring in an employee? Usually if it's the first time around, they're looking for 
more of a contractor versus an employee. And I would take all of those tasks and write out the job description if you're ready to hire and make sure that your tasks are very clear. Make sure that your expectations are very clear. So if you need them in your business daily, make sure they know if you're expecting certain hours of availability. So between, for example, 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern, make sure it's in your job, job description. Having it being very clear will make it so that you're not weeding through an exorbitant amount of applications. You're going to get those that are really focused on what you need versus mm. getting the volume of applications. And that just makes it so much easier. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot mm -hmm. of sense. You know, it's practical stuff, right? You know, it's like, it's like if you were going to bring anybody to give you help, whether it was a family member or somebody you were paying, right? And you just want them to be successful. Now, from the standpoint of once they've found that person and let's say they've got documentation, here are the steps, here's access. So there is a, there is a specific amount of time investment in onboarding uh, someone. Like let's say you're, you're committing mm -hmm. 10 hours a week to a, a contractor to help you with, I don't know, doing emails, let's say. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you got to set up access for them. Sometimes you have to change a subscription level of a product to pay for more users or more, you know, desktops, if you will. Um, so those are implications in addition to just being the, the affordability of the contractor. So keep that in mind because there may mm -hmm. be some financial impacts beyond just the actual hourly rate. So that's something I experienced that when I brought on somebody, I had to pay double for a um, for copper. Was it copper? Yeah, I think it was, which is a CRM because I had to buy another seat and it was it was double the price that I, you know, every seat was like one seat was the same price. There wasn't like, you know, just add on seats and it's 30 bucks a month. No, it was a lot more. <laughs> so I was like, doggone it, you know, and and it was a budget. I mean, at the time when I did it, it was not a big deal, but those things can add up if there's several subscription services that you, um, you know, whether it's a CRM or a email automation service or marketing funnel thing or whatever. Um, sometimes getting somebody access is, is uh, it can be a problem. And speaking of access, I know that there are. And sometimes you can save on those costs. Well, if, yeah, because the, the revenue will be channeled in a different area, right? Is that what you mean? No, not only on that, um, there are some clients that will add you to their systems, but most of the time clients share their logins directly through LastPass, which is completely safe. You don't see passwords on the other end. So if I'm the recipient of the logins, I don't see the passwords. I just receive the logins and you still maintain control of who has access to your system. So if I shared my password with someone, I can actually take back that access anytime I wanted to. Terry will be right back with the rest of the show in just a moment. Are you feeling so burdened with busy work that you're not getting the important stuff done in your business? Well, as we're uncovering in this season, you don't have to do everything. As a coach once said to me, the thing must be done, but it doesn't have to be done by you. The great thing about making decisions about how you run your business is that you can choose what to do yourself and what to automate, outsource, or eliminate. But if you're not sure where to start, let's talk it through together. Book a call with me at pappychat.com and I will help you clarify a plan on how you can get the help you need. That's P-A-P-P-Y-C-H-A-T.com. 
Let's get you focused on what gives you joy through expressing your 1000% and offload the stuff you don't want to do so you can make more runway for your business to grow. Yeah, and, and I know people who do that. I'm a little kind of weird about stuff like that because of the terms of use of a lot of uh, websites, especially social, social media channels. Mm-hmm. You know, having someone log in as you and things like that, that really bothers me. So that's just a personal integrity thing on my end uh, that you have to manage your own identity. And the other thing, and I had a good conversation with uh, one of my guests about this, and that was it's really important if you're going to have a team member to make your team part of the business, meaning introduce your clients to that team member. Now, that might not fit in every situation. So if they're really, really back end people, then that might not, you know, necessarily be, uh, you know, the proper thing to do. But letting your clients know that there is more than you that's there to serve them is a good thing in my mind. And so giving that person a, a true seat in your business, I think, is a that's just my personal opinion about that. But I know that if if there's a, a situation where you're strapped for cash and you want to do something like what you just mentioned with LastPass and password login sharing, uh, you can go ahead and do that. And and as a stopgap, you can save some money that way. But um, I really like the idea of having a client relationship person. And I think uh, in a business uh, like some of the people we know, you know, who are high-end coaches and they have pretty expensive programs, so they have mm-hmm. high touch with their clients, having a client manager or concierge, some of them call them, is super important. And having them be visible and there, and even though, um, you know, they may not be a full-time employee. They may be a subcontractor dedicated to X hours a week as well. They're still part of that company and part of that team. Now, when you have situations like that, and and I want to pull just one thing off of that and talk to you about it, and that is when the VAs, and we'll just use VAs very generally, right? When the VAs um, have multiple clients, what are some of the challenges that come up for that VA when they either get um, a time constraint or, you know what I mean? Or there's so many clients that they start confusing them maybe a little bit and just they miss things because they've got too many balls in the air. What is your, uh, what are your thoughts on that? So at first it sounds like they might have too much on their plate and that's a conversation that they need to be completely transparent with their clients about. And They also need to make a decision on whether this is something that they can continue doing in the long run, if it's just temporary. If it was a temporary situation, so for example, if a client is launching and their hours have had to increase by five or 10 per week just to be able to support for the launch, communicate that to your clients. Everyone deserves to know why your time all of a sudden is more constrained for their business than anyone else's. And also making sure that you assure your clients that you're actually going to get your work done. It may not be within your regular office hours. It might be afterwards in the evening. We're entrepreneurs. We work any time of day, really. Pretty much. (laughs) So it's being clear and making sure that everyone understands exactly what is happening in your business. I've run mine on transparency all the way through and it makes it so much easier and clients really appreciate it. Yeah, that's great. And I I like that. And you're right. It is about communication. Um, 
I was talking with uh, Sean Rosensteel and a couple other guests that I've had on this season, and they they all touched on that. So it's super important to have that ongoing, you know, and it, it's interesting because you hear a bunch of schools of thought from the employer, right? The one who hires the subcontractor or the assistant. And some like to just pick really great talent and just let them run. And I think that's a little too loosey-goosey for me. You know, I believe that, that um, you know, a lot of things can kind of fall through the cracks and the attention can kind of slack off. I mean, you're in a relationship with somebody when you bring someone into your business. And I think it's really important to respect that person and what their goals are, as well as make sure that you're communicating clear what your expectations are. And speaking of which, since you're, you know, kind of recruiting good talent for your clients in this part of your business, what are some of the things that talent out there today is really looking for as a virtual assistant, as a virtual uh, worker? I think it completely depends on the person. Mm. I know when I first started, I didn't have much for expectations. Um, But now I'm looking for clients who are completely aligned with what I enjoy doing or who know how to respect boundaries. That is the hardest thing to find. And if you try to introduce boundaries too far into the relationship, it usually strains it. So I always encourage to be completely forthcoming about what your expectations about the position are, but just making sure that you're completely communicating how you operate as a business owner. So knowing your business hours, knowing your holidays, knowing your availability over the weekend, if you have some, or in the evening, knowing how to contact you urgently because you don't really want to give out your phone number, but there should be a way to contact you in case of an urgent matter. And it does happen. Everyone has that occur in their business. Of course. So we need to make sure that all of that is clearly communicated and you know what to expect when you're working together. Right, right. Now, one of the things that I've heard, a term I've heard used when it comes to the virtual worker world is taskmaster. And some of these uh, one-person business owners, really, they're they're kind of dicks, you know what I mean? They basically boss their assistants around and just order them, and they don't give them complete communication, complete directions or support. Uh, to clarify things. And that that's, uh, unfortunately, it is the minority, but there are they are out there. Um, I've even had some for clients, believe mm-hmm. it or not, you know, in the early days when I was working, because they all treated me that way, because I was kind of a freelancer when I first started. And they would just dictate. And I didn't like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like you hired me for my expertise. Yeah. Why are you telling me <laughs> that it should be blue, not purple? You know what I mean? <laughs> So what do you advise yeah. your, your peoples and, and, and how you encourage them when they encounter, a, 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 I wouldn't say a bad hire, but when they're working for somebody who is more of a kind of a bossy boss? So the first thing that comes to mind is that I have seen in the online space that entrepreneurs are looking at, especially virtual assistants, as disposable. So... It's making sure that... mm -hmm. Isn't that awful when you're talking about people that way? Yeah, and I've seen it, and it's its own pandemic. Do you think they do that because they don't want to commit financially, or they just don't want the burden of managing somebody, or both? I think it's because... Or something else. 
virtual assistants are such a dime a dozen that you can just turn it over quite quickly and kind of hope that you hit the nail mm. on the head the next time and then the next time and then the next time. But if you're looking at a team member as disposable, you're never actually going to integrate them into your team the way you want them to work with you and with your clients. So whenever I'm interviewing with a potential client, I'm also interviewing them. What are their core values? What are their what is their mission? What are they working on with their clients right now? What are they hoping to receive? What are their expectations for bringing on me or my team? That way I can start getting to know them and get clear on, okay, are they bringing me on just for a temporary fix or are they actually bringing me on so that we can grow together? Ah, I like that. That just sounds good. I mean, just the way you said that just sounds good. You know, it's like, yes, of course. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where, you know, it, the business owner has to make that decision. They've got to kind of grow up, pull their pants up and say, all right, this is a commitment. It's a committed relationship is what it is. And they'll do everything, especially if they develop their business around it. Exactly. And know that they have that function that always needs to be. It's part of the, the delivery of their, of their value. I think that's super important. So I like that. That's really good. Mm -hmm. So from the standpoint of the work that you're doing for, um, you know, for your clients on a one-on-one -on -one basis that you are doing as opposed to, you know, the agency side, what are some of the things that you really like about the setup that you have? Because I think this will really speak to, you know, the, the solopreneur who's looking for someone like you, you know, to, to help them in their business. Mm -hmm. So I only try to divide my time through the smallest amount of clients possible. I like to be able to focus on a specific business and how it's running, who the owner is, who the team is. Um, that way I can really integrate myself and get to know them and work with them more cohesively than being kind of a temporary or extremely part-time member. So number of clients, keeping that low is really important for delivering quality work for me. And that's one side, that's for the management side. Now, if I'm working for a client with a more technical aspect. So if I'm working on email automations or landing pages and things like that, it doesn't take as much energy because I'm not managing an entire team of people. So I take on two of those clients per year and then I do one management client to keep everything balanced. So not having to manage by doing tech makes things easier and I can focus on that, get that work done, and then also be able to manage another team throughout my day. Love it. And that makes sense. It's like you, you approach your stuff really practical with a yeah. level of practicality that makes uh, perfect sense to me, Sylvie. Um, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. So mm -hmm. just to, just to wrap up our conversation, if somebody, you know, a solopreneur was like, okay, I'm ready. Like, this has been great. I've learned a lot from Sylvie and Terry. I'm going to go ahead and pull the trigger. I want to get somebody on a regular basis, blah, 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 blah. Where do they start? Because I've heard, I've heard the gamut from going to Fiverr or Assistant Match or Elance or whatever's out there now, Upwork, <laughs> you know, or posting a job and looking for something on LinkedIn to going out and, and just asking from a referral standpoint, you know, hey, I'm looking for somebody to help me with this. Have, do you know anybody? 
So, and then everything in between. So what do you, where should they go to get started on that journey? Aside from, from going to you, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they can book a call with me if they're still trying to figure out their perfect hire, who they need. So they don't know what kind of help, if it's an executive assistant, if it's a technical assistant, or if they need some kind of management in their business, they can always book a call with me, um, the collabteam.com slash call, super simple. If they have a specific budget in mind, they can always try virtual assistant Facebook groups. My favorite is actually a virtual assistant Savvies right now. They have great people, huge community. The Facebook groups are great um, as long as you have an application form that's very clear. So just like what we talked about earlier, making sure... Yeah, you have to go through that exercise. Yes, yes, you have to go through that exercise. And for me, it's also deciding on, do I need an expert that I don't need to hold their hand? Or am I good with getting someone who's more entry level at a lower rate that I'm happy to train up into the position? That's really helpful. And, you know, I'm not getting into the details around like, taxes and payment and stuff. Because I remember a few years ago when I first uh, had an assistant, I did it through Assistant Match. I don't even know if they're still in business. I think they are. And they took care of all of the 1099s in the U.S. That's our tax forms for subcontractors. Um, And uh, I didn't have to worry about any of that. I basically just gave them a credit card and they took care of it. And I like that as a business owner. It, uh, the fee was not bad. It was just a startup fee. And then it was whatever the hourly rate was. Now I'm sure the, the assistant, the virtual Mm -hmm. worker was paying a, you know, a stipend on top of the hourly rate to the company for getting them the position, but that worked really good for me. So I didn't have to treat them as a direct 1099. All right, my dear. So any parting thoughts? I want to, because there's so much value in hiring someone to help you in your business. Even if you think you may or may not need someone, you can find someone at an hourly rate, bring them in, feed them work, see how it goes, test them out, do a two week trial, see how it goes. If it goes well and you're enjoying having someone working with you and taking these tasks off your plate, fantastic. If not, and you find that it's creating more work for you or it's just not the right person, rinse and repeat or pause and refocus on maybe what you actually need. Maybe they weren't the person that was perfect for you. So gather your thoughts again, try again. Okay, that's good. Like I said, very practical. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Sylvie, for being here. Practical advice. Yeah, no, I tell you what, this is great. And you know, that's why I wanted, that's why I wanted your perspective because you know, you're coming at it from a, a very distinct place. And I think that knowing, you know, those things uh, is going to be really helpful for my listeners. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, Thank you for having me. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for joining me. You know, being a solo can be incredibly rewarding when you have the right guidance, resources, and community to help drive your business vision. The great news is that's exactly what you'll get with Simplify and Multiply. You've just listened to another episode of the Simplify and Multiply show with Terry Pappy. If you want to get free marketing and business development tips, templates, trainings, and more, head over to simplifyandmultiply.com and sign up. Learn how you can grow your business the easy way. 
That's simplifyandmultiply.com to join our growing community of amazing, talented solopreneurs out to simplify their business, multiply their income, and make a big impact in the solopreneur economy.